Welcome back to Kingdom Testimony. I am still plugging away on giving my testimony. Um, I ended up, it says that I left off on March 30th, 2008, while me and my sisters were living at my mom's, taking care of her. Um, and she is supposedly showing signs of dementia and stuff like that. So let me just continue. March 30th, 2008, mom comes downstairs, hears us laughing, asks if the desk is my altar when she sees the magnet cross that my sister gave me. I asked if she thought I was some kind of freak. It was my desk where I did the bookkeeping for our business. It's interesting because I was just reading Ezekiel 43.18 about consecrating the altar. I kind of liked having some normal space. Mom was getting upset because we would go downstairs when she laid down for a nap and we talked about how we thought it was going and what the Lord was doing with us there. She knew we were talking about her and also didn't want us taking over the couch and spare green room upstairs, but also didn't want us downstairs where she didn't know what we were doing. After all, it was still her house. Mom started asking us to get her cigarettes even though she was on oxygen and wasn't supposed to be smoking. I told her I wouldn't get her any because she wasn't supposed to be smoking and I didn't want the house to blow up. <clears throat> I wrote in my journal, the realization that mom is ignoring me because I am of no use to her. I was the number one child, but I won't cater, pamper, get her cigarettes, even after she lies and tells me they're for Vanessa. So I'm not important to her anymore. I came here to complete a mission for God in the name of Jesus Christ with the ability that comes from the Holy Spirit. My childhood, me, does not live here and must be put aside. I can't take any of this personal. I came to intercede on mom's behalf. The en enemy has been buffering me and Andrea on all sides. Andrea is very good with mom. She's understanding and nurturing and mom needs that. But mom is also eating it up and playing on our sympathies. I have to remember I came here as an intercessor for her. April 17th. I wouldn't recommend this to anyone who is not a Christian. It is tempting to get back at a parent for everything they may have done to you now in their vulnerable state. If I didn't have Chelsea with me, I would utterly feel 12 years old again. The ceramics project I did with mom the mushrooms plaque I made. That's a random thoughts that I'm having is about the, the uh, ceramics I used to do with her when I was younger. The TV is loud in her room, not to drown out our noise, but to drown out her own thoughts, I think. April 20th, I wrote 2 Samuel 22 and Jeremiah 1. Mom is treating us like we're dad. She didn't treat him very good. <coughs> April 26th, um, let's see, April 28th, this thing is really getting me down. I don't know why I'm here or for how long. I do know why to take care of mom and support my other sister's recovery effort, efforts. Um, mom and Andy are here, or me and Andy are here for mom too. She seems perfectly healthy. She isn't happy though. 
Her mind is not all good. Who knows when anyone is going to be called home by God? She may live another ten years. She'd be defying all odds, but she just could. I don't think the Lord wants me here for ten years. When God calls you into service, sometimes you don't know the answer to the questions, how long? As long as it takes, seems to be the answer I get. This may take a really big toll on my marriage. And how much can Chelsea take? April 29th, the Lord has removed all my friends. Um, one of my workers' boyfriend was just killed in a motor motorcycle accident, but I doubt she will want to talk to me since I am almost... I almost had to fire her um, for her accident that she didn't report. I don't blame her. I didn't call any of my other friends since I got here, and they all seem upset. I feel as though I'm here on a missionary trip. Oh, sorry, the wind just took my door. According to spiritual gifts, a missionary is when, where you use your spiritual gifts in a different culture. I'm very much interested in that. I feel as though I have left my former life behind. I'm also leaving aspects, worldly aspects, of my present life behind. Andrea was feeling at the 1st of June we would be leaving, but not necessarily after a funeral. I've always felt there would, been, there would be a funeral. I think she thinks, funeral or not, the Lord showed her late spring, so late spring it is. Where does that leave Mom? Um, Gary is flying in for Chelsea's birthday in four weeks. Then I went in to check on her and heard a commercial on her TV for all your funeral needs. I'm lying in bed analyzing the spiritual pain I'm feeling. I recognize it as the same as a birthing thing, that is birthing a thing that is spiritually coming to pass. Last night I was also thinking about the other times I had this birthing pain and it was other major events I knew the Lord wanted to come to pass but had to go through the labor pains before they could happen. So these birthing pains I was having last night reminds me of what I was reading the other night. I remember that I had doubt and pain at the same time, but this isn't the kind of doubt, but, th but this kind of doubt isn't real doubt. I know what he has impressed on me is going to come to pass, but the birthing process presses on and is putting to death a human desire to doubt God's promise because it takes so long. It tarries so long. We're putting to death our carnal nature, which is to doubt that God will actively and personally work right in front of our eyes just because it's our desire. <clears throat> so this morning, Andrea had a dream but felt awake. Oh, she saw her nephew who committed suicide. Um... Okay, the sister relationship in the house is getting strained. We knew it would. Vanessa works every day and leaves every morning, comes home every night about supper, fixes herself something to eat, retreats to her room. Andrea and I try to have normalcy with mom and the kids, fixing regular meals, finding things for the kids to do. Their ages are 16, 15, 12, and 8. They know this is a strange living situation, but are taking it in stride. They also know me and Andrea feel asked to do things for the Lord, and they have to come along for the ride. We're careful to shield them from extraneous situations. One day mom said, <clears throat> I'm going to fix my beef barley soup. She was an amazing cook years ago, but we knew she hadn't cooked anything substantial in quite a while. She was now into Schwann's and Marie Callender. 
Chelsea and I took her to the store to get the ingredients and she actually had a spring in her step. When we got home, we saw she had created a menu for all of us with stickers and barely legible handwriting that used to be so pretty. The menu said beef barley soup. <clears throat> she also had on there little stickers, like kid stickers. It's like she was in her mind that we were all like still kids, like little, like children stickers and stuff on it. Mom cut up all the ingredients on the countertop by the crock pot and after watching a program about salmonella, sprayed the counter and the knife with Lysol and put it all in the pot. Andrea looked at me with her mouth hanging open like we're supposed to eat this. I stifled a laugh and we both knew we shouldn't say anything. This was mom's big cooking day. After fretting over the crock pot in her bathrobe that she never changed out of and wouldn't let us wash, she declared it was almost ready. She set the lid down too hard after stirring it and pieces of glass from the lid splintered off, some to the counter and floor, others possibly inside the crock pot. Andrea whispered to me on her way to the basement, it's all yours. I carefully ate the soup at supper time and mom was disappointed because no one else had her soup but me and Vanessa. We found fun things to do too. One afternoon while mom was sleeping, we took the kids to Hobby Lobby and picked out crafts for everybody to work on. <clears throat> Andrea and I got yarn and crochet hooks so she could show me how to make washcloths. We worked on our hobby art at the kitchen table in the evenings while mom sat at the table with us and watched us out of the corner of her eye. At first she smirked and said, that'll keep you busy for a day or two. After that, she pretended not to care and watched TV while we had fun. The TV was a central part of mom's life, still, since it first came to our, into our home. I was the youngest, so when everyone else was in school, me and mom would watch an afternoon program together. She liked dark shadows when it came out, and I would lay on her back on the new carpet and bury my head in her hair while the scary parts of the movie came on. <coughs> I was like five or six. Eventually, there was a TV in every room where mom spent the most time. When we all moved out, the TV ended up at the kitchen at the end of the table where you would set another chair. In other words, it had a place at the table. It also had a place at the end of her side of, her side of the bed. Now that I was sleeping on the south side of the basement, directly under her bedroom, I had trouble falling asleep because Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock would be playing at three o'clock in the morning. I liked to get up at 7 a.m. so I could sneak off to the park and read and journal while everyone was sleeping in. So I resorted to tiptoeing like a teenager in the middle of the night into her room without waking the dogs on her bed to turn down her volume when I was sure she was asleep. I didn't dare turn the set off because that meant trouble for me the next day. I swear the volume would go up by itself by the time I got back downstairs because it seemed louder than ever. Once going through the house to go to the bathroom before bed, I was wearing a brand new pair of white socks I just bought. I got to the kitchen on the way back. I noticed I stepped in a fresh pile of dog crap that must have been in the living room. I got to the garbage can in the kitchen by the laundry area, stopped, peeled off my new sock and threw it in the trash and continued my way to the basement. Going to the park every morning was the only way to keep my sanity. I picked up a coffee and roll on the way at Starbucks 
and got back home around 11 a.m. when Andrea would be up having her coffee and the, and the girls eating breakfast. May 1st. This is taking a mental and emotional toll on both me and Andy. I leave every morning to Lindenwood, but she feels she can't because of the kids. We've been here for over two months and it seems nothing is improving. All we know is that we aren't done yet. Andrea left to stay at her daughter's for four days. I feel deserted. We were supposed to stay in one accord and bolster each other, but she appears to be folding up the Monopoly board. As I think more is possible, she needs a break for her sanity and for her kids. She may feel they are getting on everyone's nerves. I don't have little kids here, so I don't know. Uh, Chelsea was 16, almost 16 and living there, but um, she had got a part-time job. It was nice to have a quiet, clean house. I fixed a bunch of little things and it was nice. She can bail if she wants. I'll be able to handle it. The Lord has helped me to be resilient. I will try not to be bitter because that would be easy. Our biggest problem though is no communication. I wish I knew why she had to bail. Certainly her daughter can be home alone for one day. <clears throat> so I was writing this when we'd been there three months, over three months. And it was just taking a toll on us. So the list of things that I fixed in the house, um, I list a bunch of things, one, two, three, six things. Carried a bunch of things out for a big, big cleanup day. Listing th still th other things I need to fix around the house. Um, I was reading Obadiah. Okay. I think that's as far as the excerpts go. I have the timeline that has everything spiritual in it, but the journals have most of the rest of it. So, <clears throat> now I list things that I remember that were noteworthy. The times with the kids were the funniest. Like Chelsea and Andy's oldest boy sneaking around the house, like teenagers hiding from mom. Andy's boy quietly singing the theme from Mission Impossible. Them two in Grandpa's office, my old green room, on the computer, and Grandma, my mom, slowly turning the doorknob. They looked over at the door as it opened slowly, and Mom was curling her fingers around the door's edge. Chelsea and Annie's oldest boy looked at each other and cringed. Then Mom would say, get off the pooper." She was just trying to be funny. And scare them. They were a little freaked out. So the next time they went in there and mom started slowly turning the door handle, Chelsea had a roll of Christmas wrap and was holding the door shut with it. Mom was fooling with them the only way she knew how, but they were freaked out. They were teenagers just trying to find ways to have fun. The fridge was near the end of the kitchen by the dryer. Just beyond it was the back door and the door to the basement. It was a double door fridge. Andy's oldest boy had Chelsea film with her phone as he opened the fridge door and pretended to walk into it, but walked past. It was on YouTube for a long time. It looked real. Then the time when I was curling my hair in the corner of the basement directly below the upstairs bathroom, and I see a brown drip from the ceiling to the side of me. I look up, there's more drips, and I'm looking, and I'm like, what is that? And I realize it is dog pee that is dripping through the floorboards because the floor is so rotted. The dogs had just peed in the corner of the bathroom door upstairs. 
Then me and Andy would be sitting downstairs talking about mom's zingers, her cutting remarks. There was a wall in the basement that had some doodles on it, so I drew a picture of a zinger cupcake and wrote zingers underneath it. <clears throat> there was the time mom got upset with Chelsea, came downstairs to tell me about it, and Chelsea had come down and was in bed next to me, but I was sitting up. I asked mom what would she do, and mom just said, I'm going to knock that little shit, her teeth are going to rattle. I said, no one is hitting anyone. Chelsea was nervous and scared beside me, pretending to sleep. Chelsea and I shared a bed on the south end. I covered the wall with a sheet because I knew spiders came down that wall. The floor was gross too. We tried to clean it as best we could in the areas where we walked. Not long after that, Chelsea ended up with an eye infection. She had something in her eye that was bothering her and got infected from her touching it. Then she got the flu and threw up on the floor, cleaned it up. Uh, it was just in the sheets, had mold on it. I took her to the autometrist for her eye infection. At night, she was laying next to me, so sad. She's like, Mom, I just want to go home. How long do we got to stay here? I hate it here. I miss Mike. Um, she had just turned 16. Eventually, she grew to understand we needed to stay as long as it took. Mike flew up to see her and left. And then that's when she started to realize he may not be the guy for her after all. Um, <clears throat> one day I asked mom about smoking in the house. So she kicked me. She said, aren't you snarky today? And she did not kick me hard, but then I laughed that she was serious. Um, Chelsea was sneaking into Vanny's room to smoke a cigarette and hiding it from mom. It was too cold to smoke outside. She'd hold the door shut. There was two doors, and she'd listen in the dark to see which door mom was at and then hold it shut. Maybe that was my, uh, why mom came downstairs and was going to rattle her teeth. But usually mom and Chelsea got along good. She'd sit up at, with her late at night and watch the 70s show out in the kitchen. Um, <clears throat> another time mom, who barely ever came downstairs because she couldn't handle the steps, for some reason she was sitting on the very bottom step. Andy's oldest boy could see her feet, which were really dirty because she never took a bath. Um, he looked over at us at horror across the room because we had cut away all of the sheetrock up to about knee high. So all he could see was her feet, her bare feet tapping on the floor. His facial expressions were the best. We bent down and we could see her bare feet, toes wiggling, we could hear her breathing a little like short, disgusted breaths. She was listening in on us. Eventually, she got up and went back upstairs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because now there were three adults besides mom and five kids, there were a lot of showers. Mom was getting disgusted. The bathroom was being tied up for so long, and she said the showers were causing the wallpaper trim she put on in the, when she remodeled 20 years ago to come off. We came up one morning, she could hear us because her hearing was really good and she was laying on the bathroom floor. I said, Mom, what are you doing? She told me there would be no more showers because we were destroying the bathroom. I said, are you kidding? She said, nope, no more showers. I said, well, where are we supposed to take a shower then? She said, I don't know, that's not my problem. I told Andy and Andy went in and talked to her thinking Mom fell because she was laying on the floor. Well, Mom didn't fall. She just didn't want anyone in there. We could use the toilet, but no showers. And that was the only bathroom in the whole house. I told Andy out of mom's earshot, we'll have to set up our own shower. I went over to Gander Mountain Outdoor Supply thing place in Fargo and bought a camp shower. 
I asked them to load up a pallet in the back of my car. I went to the dollar store and got yellow decor, daisies and flowers. I went to restore and got carpet tiles. I brought them all home and snuck them through the back door while mom was in bed watching TV. Got them all downstairs and set up in the basement utility room off of the old ceramics office. It was a room full of spiders, but the weather was still not warm enough for them to all be coming out, so we were good for now. I took a garden hose and put the hose on the utility sink, the other end on a daisy garden shower head and stuck it through the top of the camp shower and we had a shower. Later mom said, I know you have a shower downstairs. And I said, how do you know that? Because she never went down there. She said, I just know. After having to use mom's office in the basement as the way to the utility room to shower, I figured we should clean it up a little. It was a mess. It's almost as if one day she shut off the light and went upstairs and just left things how they sat after a busy night of ceramics. It was sad and unsettling. It must have been after her stroke, but Andy helped keep her classes going for a while. Maybe it was when she found out she had cancer and could no, could no longer take the stairs. Either way, as, as I was cleaning her office, I was coming across all her stuff. It was so emotional. I used to sit down here with her and work on my ceramics pieces or read and hang out with her. But that was about 15 years ago. Now everything was so different. I like change, but I hated seeing what time does to once vibrant people. The years of smoking and bad eating habits really can affect your physical health. And she heard a lot of things, bad spiritual things in this room when she was alone, cleaning greenware, doing paperwork. There was also a TV in that room too, of course. She'd watch sci-fi. It all affected her soul and her spirit. I found some things that were usable, rubber bands and tape the girls could use. I also brought her her memo pad with her business name on it. She acted like she didn't care, but she must have because she used the memo pad later to write the barley soup memos on it for us. <coughs> Just looking where we're at with the time. Okay, in May, Vanessa was working at the lodge still and brought home a mirror window, and I used that for decor. Um, I went to the um, cleanup days that were around town and picked up like table and chairs for down there. Just started fixing up the basement. <coughs> In June, my mom's uncle died, and he left her a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and we used some of that to decorate the basement. I was still going to Lindenwood Park every day. Um, Andy would would stay with mom. My Crohn's was getting better. Okay, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> Gary came up the one time. Um, came up for Chelsea's birthday. Atmosphere in the house was unbearable. The house stunk. Um, I would try to open the windows and mom would get mad at me for that once she poured a pitcher of ice water over my head for doing that. We tried helping out with the bills. Mom's house was a complete mess. She accused of, us of switching all of her pills around. She ordered delivery food, and then if we made her mad, she wouldn't let us eat any of it, so she'd take it out of the fridge and put it in the corner of her closet, where of course it would go bad. Um, I'm just trying to, you get the gist of it. I think I'm gonna 
end the 2008 memoir on today's episode, you kind of get the idea. It was just crazy, the stuff that was going on in the house. I, I haven't, there's some of the stuff I can't read because, like I said, it, when I first started 2008, um, there's things that I, I just don't want to paint people in a bad light. But basically at the end of this, in, in June, I applied for a job. And got the job <coughs> back here in Arizona. And so I told Andy one day, I hate to say it, but I have to, I have to leave. Our time is done here. Um, Mom started telling our other sisters that we were being abusive to her. She ended up having to go in for a... Um, psychological evaluation we had to call the we had to call 911 and they took her away in a straitjacket hollering about 10 o'clock at night ambulance in the middle of the street and they took her away and so that's when me and Andy this was July beginning of July so that's when me and Andy were like they they did a psychological evalu evaluation and they said there is not a thing wrong with her. She's not losing her mind. She does not have dementia. She is playing you guys like a fiddle. So for five months, she psychologically played us like a fiddle. And so that's when I told Andy, I said, I think, I think we can leave. Vanny's going to stay here and take care of her. She can live by herself. Her doctors have said so. And I have a few, quite a few more pages of things that went on, but I, I don't need to go into all that. You get the picture. And it had pretty much like, it, it left such an emotional, took such an emotional toll on us that me and her both still talk about it. You know, what happened those six months in 2008. It literally really just kind of changed my life. And it's hard for other people who didn't live it to be like, wow, that sounds like it was kind of rough. Well, it was, it was really bad. There's things that happened that were spiritually and demonic. And, you know, the thing that lived in the house and came down into the basement, you know, and stuff like that. And it, it would mess with our stuff. And it was just, ugh, it was so bad. Well, finally... Uh, July, I was offered the position back in Arizona, and I said, I have to go. Andy moved out, and um, and then I came back to Arizona and took that job, and that's when me and Gary ended up divorced. There was just a whole bunch of stuff that took place there that I don't want to talk about. Because um, it's, it's hurtful, can be damaging. I basically did not move into the house that we picked out. We did the closing, you know, I did the notary thing in March. And then when I got back in July, late July, um, actually it was the first week of August, I got a apartment. 
and never did live with Gary again. I didn't live in that two-story house. I did go over there one day. I have to say this because I told you about the dream. Where I was up on the landing and I saw the little kid, my, my kids as young kids below. When I got back, <clears throat> I went over to the house. I told him I need to get my things. I went upstairs to the bedroom to gather up my stuff. When I came down, came out from the upstairs onto the landing, I looked over down onto the living room below and it just hit me, the tan carpet. My kids were sitting down there because they knew that I wasn't going to live with Gary, that I was separating. I'm going to file for divorce. And that dream just hit me in the face. This was the dream from many, 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 many years ago. I was looking at the fulfillment of that dream. And remember, in that dream, I did leave. <clears throat> so that dream was fulfilled. That's what that was about. And so that was the end of that. The next um, earth-shattering year. So quickly from there, I was single until 2012. I met another guy, got married. Was married 2012 to 2019. Well, in 2018, some significant events took place. I'm not going to bore you with all the details between there. I left Arizona in 2012 when I got married, moved back up to the Fargo area. Um, <clears throat> when I married the other guy. And then in 2012, was up there until early 2019 when we ended up divorced. I know, I just can't be married. That's, that's just the way it is. But in 2018, some very significant spiritual things took place. Actually, started in late 2017. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. Is with the testimonies, I want to get into what started taking place at the end of 2017. Because this is why I wholeheartedly believe that we are in... I think we're beyond the time of Jacob's trouble. The first three and a half years of the, you know, the, the minor tribulation period. And I believe we are in the great tribulation. Or, you know, I'm kind of back and forth on that. I, sometimes I think it started this past Passover, this past spring. And other times I think it started last December, so like a year ago. Or it's possible we're just in that first three and a half years of the regular tribulation and then the next great tribulation is coming and we won't be here for the wrath. You know, it's, <clears throat> and, I'll, and I'm, I'm sure I'll cover this again, but the great tribulation or the tribulation period in the book of Revelations and Daniel and all that is seven years. Well, the wrath of God just wipes everything out to prepare for, you know, it's got Armageddon and all that stuff going on, to prepare for the millennium. So I think the tribulation period itself is seven years. The first three and a half years is the time of Jacob's trouble, the, 
the beginning of sorrows. Well, the beginning of sorrows was before, but the time of Jacob's trouble. Beginning of sorrows is like Matthew 24, Luke 21. The regular tribulation is, is the time of Jacob's trouble, <clears throat> first three and a half years, and then the great tribulation lead up to the wrath, and that's the final three and a half years. I'm not quite sure on the timeline where this stuff started and ended or whatever, but we're in it. We are living in the book of Revelations. In December of 2017, the Lord visited me, well, well, in, well, notified me that he would be visiting me, visiting me. He actually visited me January 3rd of 2018. And that's where I want to pick this up. So I don't want to belabor this 2008 thing. I feel that the Lord is telling me to just, let's just move into, into what started happening three years ago, over three years ago. So um, that's where we're going to pick it up next time. And sorry that my podcasts are sporadic, like once a week. I just can't tell you when I am going to be doing them. Just, just can't say. So there we have it. We're at 3.33 minutes. I'm going to pick this up the next time on late probably winter, late fall, uh, 2017. And we'll start going through things that are more modern that pertain to the time period we're living in right now. It's more testimony, but it's more things of the Lord giving me revelations, visions, dreams, and just basically lots of visions and revelations and I will share all of that the Lord impresses on me to share with you. So with that until next time thanks for joining me.